We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. I want to mention Clemson's receivers. Mm-hmm. I can give you a 30-second rant about Ohio State. I'm going to kind of laugh at Tate Martell. And then I'll probably say the phrase, Jalen Hurts is really good. I remember the days when you kind of loved Tate Martell. I st- I will say this. I still <laughs> like him. I-, I will still defend him. I-, I-, I have him in a college fantasy league that uh, I would like for him to be very good. Yes. My fear is that he needs to be in a an offense that lets him do whatever he wants to do. And I question whether or not he's going to find that ability to freelance at a major college program. Sure, that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I just remember, I distinctly remember uh, last season when Ohio State was struggling in the red zone or even like within like oh, the... I still uh, say. Like within the eight yard line or whatever, and they yeah. just couldn't do it. And you're like, just put Tate in there. And I remember texting you one day when, you know, they did it once. They Hask- did it one game and it was awful. <laughs> yeah, Haskins came out, Tate went in, and we started texting back and forth. And now we're talking about Haskins probably going to be, you know, first, second. Oh, he'll be the second quarterback off the board, but you know, probably a top ten pick. <laughs> and uh, you were you were running Tate in there in those situations. It's just funny just to me. Running just so we opened up the offense. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you uh, 
you listeners have peeked behind the curtain a little bit here. I pushed record a little bit ago without telling the boys, but welcome back to a little college football <laughs> with Rotoviz. I am joined, as always, by my boys, Matt and Jordan. Gentlemen, it is good to be back on the phone with you guys. How the hell are you? I'm great. Uh, there's starting to be some uh, football on my TV every weekend, even if it's just scrimmages. And it, it's nice that I don't have to just be completely paying attention to a random recruit's tweet. So it's more fun this way. Yes. How about you, Jordan? How you been? I've been good. Uh, like I said, it, it's been a little bit, a little bit hectic of a time. I moved, um, went on vacation to the Virgin Islands. Um, that doesn't sound just, terrible. No, nah, I mean that balances out the moving part for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, things have been pretty good, man. I uh, can't complain. Just you know, trying to trying to do trying to do good a little bit every day, and you know, there just you getting go. by. There you go. Now, now, Matt, you mentioned like it's nice having football back on your TV, but I mean, the AAF was there for you know a good solid month or two. <laughs> did you guys? I mean, did you guys watch any of that stuff? I tuned in. It, it, I mean, it was interesting. It, it was good for what it was. It was something to be on TV. Yeah. And we got to see Hackenberg again. That's right. I, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to jump on board this, this Memphis Express. I'm, I'm all in. I talked to Matt Harmon about it on my show, um, on my other podcast. And uh, we were talking about the AAF. We were getting all into it. And then the, Memphis was just awful. And... <laughs> I lost interest after about two and a half weeks. So, yeah. But anyway, we've got enough uh, college football to get into here. Let's. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some spring game stuff. We're going to look at the upcoming NFL draft and some different prospects that, that we like or maybe dislike. And then we'll finish off the show with a little bit of uh, previewing next season. Some some guys we're really excited to watch. So, take us away, Matt. What, what, what are a few takeaways you had from these spring games? And Jordan, of course jump in as well so i i i guess i'll start with the one that i watched every second of um which is a sad statement but uh so the ohio state game it, it kind of was what it was it was a glorified sp- scrimmage they didn't have their full offensive line in place so the quarterbacks were really uh playing from behind the eight ball so they were constantly under pressure but the biggest takeaway that you could take from this was is Justin Fields uh, is going to be the starter, and now it's probably even more confirmed because his backup just entered the transfer portal. Um, but the thing that was kind of interesting was is it looked like he was uh, enjoying when plays broke down a little bit, and he was able to use his athleticism and get outside the pocket, uh, which is always kind of nice to see because there's going to be pressure all season long. It doesn't matter how good your line is. So a pure statue isn't great. And then... Garrett Wilson, the true freshman wide receiver, is eventually is going to be a problem for the Big Ten. Um, if you were on Twitter that day and follow any uh, like college football writers, you probably saw a GIF or a short video of him just pulling down a beautiful touchdown. Uh, don't like overreacting to like a six second clip, but I watched it seven hundred times, so at this point, it's <laughs> at least a few minutes long. So. Uh, yeah, that was great. Um, the other kind of cool note was uh, Clemson. They have two freshman receivers, Nagata and Ladson. Both were five-star players, and both went for over 100 yards in this game. 
they're not going to see the field this year because the uh, receiver group in Clemson is insane. And, but that wide receiver group is going to make uh, life for Trevor Lawrence insanely easy. Um, and then I think the last one I'll really mention is um, Miami. Uh, Tate Martell didn't look good. And I think if you're a Miami fan, you might want to start looking to, I think it's Jaron Williams for uh, Hope because Martell's strengths, particularly when he was in high school and in the limited time he played at Ohio State, was when plays would allow him to freelance and he could kind of do whatever he wanted. As great as he was in high school at making things happen when there was nothing available, I don't know how well that's going to actually transfer to the like established college game, particularly in the ACC where you're, you may not face, it's maybe not as deep as it used to be, but there's still quite a few good defenses. And if he's just kind of out there doing whatever he wants, it's probably not going to be super successful. And then lastly, uh, at Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts was really, really efficient. I think it was like 11 for 14 for over 100 yards. Um, he's going to be very good. 11 for 14 for over 100 yards. That does sound like very efficient and very uh, maybe unexciting. <laughs> well, but I, I mean, I think it's he's going to they're not going to treat him like he's Baker Mayfield. They're not going to treat him like he's um, geez, Kyler Murray. Yeah, but if you forget Kyler Murray this quickly, second, I'm guys. that's I that's hurtful. <laughs> you're out of college football. I stopped thinking about you. Um, <laughs> He's not going to treat him like that because he's not a downfield thrower. But what he sure. is is he's incredibly good at making the right pass. And at Oklahoma, what they've done over the last couple of years is they make the right pass very obvious. So it, it'll be nice to see what he's able to do. And we'll get into it later, mentioning a couple of uh, their wide receivers. But they are very good. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Jordan. Yeah, I was just going to say on Hertz, I, I think that, you know, coming from Alabama, he obviously has played in a system where they've had incredible talent and depth at running back. But I don't necessarily think that Hertz is going to have to be Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray because I think Trey Sermon is good. I think Kennedy Brooks is good. And I know they are losing a good, yeah, they're losing a good bit on their offensive line, but I, you know, I can't really project exactly how good they'll be this year, but I would imagine they still have a decent amount of talent in the, in the reserve. So I think that he'll just be comfortable because I don't think he necessarily needs to be making, you know, downfield throw after downfield throw, even if they shift to a little bit more of a balanced run pass attack. I think that he's going to be fine. I, I share Matt's sentiments. I'm excited to see what he can do um, uh, with Lincoln Riley, who I think is uh, top, three offensive coach in the country easily you can can take offensive out of there he's a top three coach right there we go yeah so i'm I'm excited to see what he can do yeah i i think it'll be interesting and i i do wonder if there will be a a a heavier lean towards the the running game uh maybe not too much it's you know still big 12 football but uh yeah i i am curious i you know you mentioned kennedy brooks that's a little bit of a a foreshadowing for what's to come uh, later, which uh, which you know I'm always a big fan of. 
Uh, I I'm excited for Saturday. I'm gonna try to get uh, get a chance to watch at least a little bit of the Oregon Spring game uh, and uh, and see what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's tough with these with these really small samples of a you know a glorified scrimmage as as you said, Matt, to to really get a bunch of takeaways. But you can definitely uh, you can definitely taste football in the air, and that's definitely a good thing. <laughs> definitely a good thing. I know I'm ready for it. I mean, I'm looking forward to to it so so real quick i just want to get wait just a, you, you you we mentioned we mentioned hertz we talked about trevor lawrence i want a quick just way too early prediction for for your heisman winner it's going to be one of the quarterbacks let's throw get Tua's name out there as well who do you think wins the heisman this upcoming year i know it's early it's real early but but i, I want to hear it i want to hear it already you want to go ahead matt tommy stevens um you're fine i mean i i don't want to sound like a homer so i'm not going to take field so for know that in my heart i'm probably picking him but i would say i really think it it could be hurts um i just like the fact that he's going to end up with like a 75 percent completion percentage and probably still pass for four thousand yards yeah yeah i mean it's hard to go away from it's hard to go away from Tua or Trevor Lawrence just because we know quarterback is generally the safest position to pick when you're trying to handicap. And those two just have such incredible surrounding talent. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine either of them really failing aside from an injury. Um, but I will say a long, a, a guy with longer odds who, you know, it, it could, I feel like the range of outcomes is very wide, but Adrian Martinez at Nebraska. Ooh, um, dark horse. Yeah, it, it, it's it's probably unlikely, honestly, that he wins. And I don't have the odds in front of me, but if you're looking for someone who isn't like, you know, plus 120, if you're looking for something a little bit longer, I, I think that he's worth a look second year in that, that offense. Um J.D. Spielman, hopefully they're losing Stanley Morgan out wide, but hopefully they have some some reinforcements coming. I just think he's a really talented football player, and I believe in Scott Frost's offensive system. So for a little bit of a long shot, you know, admittedly, probably not going to happen, but that's that would be someone I would look at. Yeah, I know. You haven't... Uh, who was the last Cornhusker to, uh, to win the Heisman? Eric Crouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just think about how different of a style football is like these quarterbacks right. we're talking about now compared to him. It's just crazy. Uh you guys all got the wrong uh got the wrong answers out there. It's 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 Justin Herbert, of course. Well it's your um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's just crazy <laughs> to think about how many just super talented quarterbacks there are. And a lot of them they're not just runners either. They're not just athletes. A lot of these guys are really great uh throwers. And I'm excited. When we talked a lot about the vertical game last season, and I think we're going to get a lot more of that this year. Um, man, I, I just can't remember um, a season where I was this excited about the quarterback class uh, in, in quite some time. And maybe I'm just maybe that's just recency bias. I don't know. Uh, am I am I off on that, or does it seem like we've got an awful lot of good quarterbacks this this upcoming season? I don't I don't think you're off. I mean, um, like I said, barring some kind of catastrophic injury, I mean. Tua, who's going to be eligible next for for 2020. Um, Jalen Hurts is technically eligible for 2020. I don't know how he necessarily projects into the NFL. Um, 
but yeah, and and just spread across the country, I feel like we're going to have a lot of really intriguing quarterbacks just to watch whether they're whether they're eligible for 2020 or 2021, like right. uh, Trevor Lawrence, who again, it's ridiculous to try and forecast two years out, but like he, he's he's the 101. I mean, I I don't like. Like nothing changes if, if if things just progress the way we assume they will again barring injury, I don't see how he's not the 101. So I mean I think the future looks bright really for the next two years. It's weird to me that you haven't even mentioned your uh, your favorite SEC quarterback yet. I mean Jake Fromm is we yeah, we yeah. have not we haven't said his yeah. name yet. I just assumed you meant Burroughs, but that uh... team's loaded. They're gonna be. That's I thought you were talking about. I mean, I'm, I I very much think that like Jake Fromm is going to be perpetually underrated. He's going to end up being someone that the NFL looks kindly on. And Mm -hmm. as much as we may want to think he's been the least talented quarterback in the quarterback room, he's runaway former five-star QB whose name is escaping me at now. Oh, Jacob Eason. And he ran out Justin Fields. So uh, he's, he's gonna, just he's, boring. People, I, people don't like him because he's boring, but, it, but boring will do just fine in the NFL. Yeah. And boring I, and boring is going to get Georgia in the sec championship again. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. And then speaking of Jacob Eason, I mean, I, I can't wait to see what he does. Uh, God, Washington's going to be yeah, scary. Yeah, uh, Washington. And I mean, we, before before we hit record or before I snuck, sneakily hit record, uh, we were talking a little bit about Oregon and just my expectations or hopes for next year. And it's like, man, they, they look good, but Washington looks good. I mean, there's there's some good there's some good teams out there in the in the Pac-12. But uh, before we get completely off the rails, uh, let's try to uh, stick with the script a little bit here. And let's let's talk a little bit about the upcoming draft. Um, I want to hear from you guys. There's a couple of your favorite prospects for this for this upcoming draft i'm more two weeks away um or less my math is bad i don't remember it's next week yeah oh geez now how did that it's all right i just it's already the 18th that's insane um but just to kind of get get a little bit of a a flavor for what's expected here i looked at a couple of uh, mock drafts and daniel jeremiah over at the nfl network his mock draft he uh, i just he just has his first round out there he has four quarterbacks two tight ends and one receiver going in the first round so that's only seven like of the of the skill positions uh, on offense, and then I wanted to get a little bit of a you know broader scope. So I looked at the two forty seven sports and, and and their mock draft, and they have a three round draft, and uh, they had ten going in the first round, nine going in the second, and sixteen going in the third. Um, the obviously the first round is a little bit more quarterback heavy, but they did have one running back going, two tight ends, three wide receivers, and then the second round you see a bunch of the receivers go. Kind of the uh, they had six receivers going in then going in that round and only one running back and then in the third round is where you see a lot more of those running backs start to come off the board how do you think it's going to shake out matt do you think it's going to be uh kind of how we've seen it over the last few years where, where teams are hoping to get running backs late and because this wide receiver class is you know we all think it's pretty deep so do you think teams might be waiting for maybe their second or third pick to grab a receiver and um, just because they don't maybe see a huge difference between uh between their their player A and player B, or or how do you think it shakes out? Well, I mean, I think the reason why we're not seeing the like skill skill position heavy one that maybe we've kind of grown a little bit accustomed to is, I mean, this is a defensive line class, mm-hmm. and so I think the first round you're gonna 
it, when your team comes up on the clock, if you have any type of defensive line need, don't be surprised when they walk up there and take a defensive lineman because that's going to be the pick. Um, when it comes to like running backs and wide receivers, I mean, I've been on the record a few times and I've tweeted about it a lot. I think this running back class kind of sucks. Um, I think there's a lot of specialists, uh, but I also think that you're going to end up seeing someone like Josh Jacobs go probably a round and a half too early because people have talked themselves into, oh, well, he's really great. That's why he was uh, the one that was in there in critical times for Alabama, and there's some justification to that, but at the same time, he was the like third most in reps on his own team, and he's not super athletic, so I have concerns about him. And then, um, like for uh, we've talked about this, Henderson's probably our top one on the board, but he might be available to a team in the third round. So I, I do think there's going to be this this waiting game on running backs because no one in this one is special. Um, and then for wide receivers, I mean. You're, I bet I would be surprised if it goes less than three in the first round. But it's, again, I don't think any of these receivers project out as superstar caliber. I think that everyone kind of sees them as um, eventually being a very strong number two for a team. And maybe you'll get lucky and they'll be uh, capable of being a team's number one. But I, I think the general consensus about this is that you're going to pick up guys who are going to be like Muhammad Sanu level players on day three. So why waste a pick on Riley Ridley? Uh, this, the two forty seven uh, mock draft that I looked at uh, has him going to the Seahawks. And I, I smiled when I saw that. It's like, Oh, I, I hope that's true just so that he can become a superstar and I can just make you feel silly all the time, but I'm sure he will be terrible. Like <laughs> as you predict, but uh, yeah. How about you, Jordan? What do you, what do you think about this upcoming draft? Yeah, I kind of agree with Matt. I think that the biggest driver of, at least for uh, Daniel Jeremiah's mock, which I'm looking at right now, I think the biggest driver for the lack of skill position is quite simply the, the, the amount of really, really talented defensive linemen, edge rushers, and even some offensive line, which there are just tons of teams that need help in those areas. And I I just think that those guys are, are kind of like naturally going to be pushed up while kind of echoing again what Matt said, like there's not necessarily a stud standout at running back or wide receiver, regardless of what we think of someone like Nikhil Harry, who I think we all like a good bit. And who, yeah, and like the analytics crowd really likes him a lot, but we have to realize that the people making these decisions don't think like us <laughs> all right. the time. So right. it's, it's important. I think one thing that I really try to keep reminding myself when I see these mock drafts and before I just like scoff at them and say, well, that's dumb. That's dumb. It, it, I might think it's dumb, but I'm not the guy in the chair making that call. And they, you know, the people that make those decisions, they take into account a lot of things that we probably don't even have access to quite honestly. So, um, I, I just think that this class overall trends towards being more talented at the high end on the defensive side of the ball and a little bit on the offensive line, which I think will just naturally kind of push the skill position guys down, um, where in another class it might not be that way if there were fewer just absolute stud defensive linemen. So, I, you know, I guess it's kind of the same way Matt's thinking, but that's just kind of how I see it. 
And before we get too far away from this, do you guys remember that fun, like, three-month stretch when uh, Daniel Jones was seen as a third-rounder like he probably should be, and it was great, and he wasn't going to get overdrafted? And then the Giants started telling everyone that they love him, and now he's going to go top 15? Because, of course he is. Because it's the NFL, and that's what they do with quarterbacks every single year. People are like, oh, there'll, there'll only be two quarterbacks taken in the first round, and then it's four or five quarterbacks taken in the first round. I mean, Drew Locke's going to go in the first round. He's going to go in the first round. I mean, obviously, Kyler and, and, and Haskins are going in the first round. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's another... It, what, maybe Greer gets put up. I don't, I don't know. It's always just startling how many quarterbacks go early. The, the thirst is real. Yes, I mean it's just that it, that's just, seriously the way that I look at it. Like teams are just willing to make just ass backwards decisions because they're so thirsty for someone to be able to bring stability. And not even touching like the comments that came out of Gettleman. I think it was today or yesterday. He's awful uh, about Eli. I don't even really want to talk about that because it's depressing. But like, um, and I'm not even a Giants fan. I can't even imagine. But yeah, I mean, seeing Jones at six overall just blows my mind and I really but again like I just have to understand that the people making that decision they're just not looking at it through the same lens I guess yeah yeah well and it's it's tough and that's why like as a Seahawks fan I was struggling last week with this Russell Wilson stuff I was like go ahead and trade him and get all the picks in the world and and you won't you won't likely get your replacement for him in the draft because the odds are just so much against you for finding a player of not only his caliber, but just like a above average NFL quarter quarterback is tough to find. And I mean, ask the, ask the Jaguars who always pick, you know, in the beginning third of the draft and how many quarterbacks have they whiffed on and uh, given too much time to, I mean, it's, it's not an easy thing. So I understand some of it, but Man, I uh, I was so happy when they signed Russell to that crazy deal. I was just like, get don't 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 start playing that game. And definitely, oh, to see Russell Wilson in a Giants jersey would have just been heartbreak. I couldn't have done it. But uh, let's uh, how how early do you guys think Haskins ends up going? Do you think he's going to be the second quarterback off the board? And do you think he ends up in New York? Or do you think it's going to be a guy like Jones? It does feel like there's so much smoke coming around like that they're just telling everyone how much how they're not going to take Haskins and how it's really it's it's going to be Daniel Jones and everyone keeps saying that and yet at the very beginning we all heard that this pick was Haskins and it was going to be Haskins it sort of feels like now they're just trying to get everyone off the scent and see if there's a chance they can push Haskins down to their second pick I don't think it eventually happens I do think they pull the trigger at six this year because I mean, they got destroyed and they might have the best running back in the NFL and they got absolutely destroyed for that pick last year because they passed over a quarterback. And I just can't see them getting beyond six without taking it. And I think I think it's all smokescreen that they want everyone to think it's going to be Daniel Jones when really it's going to be the best quarterback in the class. Because I love Kyler Murray, but. Dwayne Haskins is going to be great. I think they might both be great. Do you, do you guys uh, kind of assume Kyler's going number one overall? I mean, that's kind of what everyone thinks. Yeah, but I want them to pull the trigger and trade Rosen already to like Washington. Yeah, I, I don't, I still don't know what to think about Rosen. I've never been, I've never been a believer. 
it's I I honestly I honestly don't know exactly what I think is going to happen with the one overall. Like, it feels like it is going to be Kyler Murray, but I also kind of in my gut feel like there might be a little bit of like maneuvering going on. Um, I just, I don't know. I love Kyler and I'm going to talk about him a little bit later. Um, but it just doesn't feel, I just feel like this, a lot of things in this draft in the first round, cause we're talking about it feel unsettled to me and it feels fluid. And I guess that's kind of the way it is every year, but especially this year, I just, I don't know. His quarterbacks are dicey, man. Yes, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy to think that they could go, uh, like the Arizona Cardinals, how like they feels like just yesterday they drafted Rosen, you know, <laughs> like they're all going to go right. back to like, it's just going back to the well. I mean, it just speaks to their, their desperation for, for that, that elite talent. But yeah, I, I, I think Haskins, uh, I think Haskins will end up in New York. Um, I, I think Drew Locke, I, I actually agree with the, the, the 247 mock draft. I think he ends up in, in Denver, which would be a lot of fun for me. Uh, out here uh but you know it's it never goes as you expect there's always craziness someone's gonna trade up and try to grab one of these guys too so um yeah it'll be it'll be fun though i i I love i love the draft i i usually uh make a make a very long weekend of it and uh sit in front of my tv and and enjoy enjoy the festivities and, and nonsense absolutely i'm looking forward to it i do the same thing yeah well let's let's get into it man jordan give me give me a guy that you want to talk about for uh for this upcoming draft that you're excited about or 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 a bust maybe uh give me just give me a name and tell me what you what you want to tell me about him sure so the first guy i wanted to mention is uh jj arcega whiteside and before i get into like sort of the bullet points i have on him i think it's kind of important to note that like i'm I'm taking into into consideration value as far as rookie draft is concerned um so that was like one of my primary focuses um there are obviously things that i like about these guys but value i think especially um based on dlf rookie data that just came out um but our sega white side uh from stanford he's a big guy 6'3 225 ish uh he broke out at age 20 two consecutive breakout seasons so basically he accounted for 30% or more of Stanford's uh, receiving yards and touchdowns for two straight seasons. Um, in Anthony Amico's regression tree, which takes into account adjusted breakout age, which basically combines breakout age and final uh, final season age, he fell into a bucket that has a 33% hit rate, so basically a 33% chance of finishing as a wide receiver two or better in his first three seasons. Uh, he didn't he didn't run at the combine, but he ran a 4.49.40 at 223 pounds at his pro day. So we know that generally those numbers are a little bit um, inflated or on the low side. So even if we adjust a bit for pro day, like a low 4.5 uh, is not bad for 223 pounds. So I don't really think there's too many red flags there. Uh, according to draft scout, he's projected in the second or third round, which that's kind of the the source that I primarily rely on going into the draft, but I think that he could potentially sneak up onto the upper end of that range, which would obviously be really good. And like I mentioned before, um, Ryan McDowell put out a tweet from uh, DLF, which showed a chart of rookie draft ADP from February, March, and April. And it was noticeable because our Sega Whiteside 
started at the 12th overall pick in February, and he's dipped down to the 16th, I believe, or 17th overall this month. So he's on the decline. And what's kind of interesting about that is I don't really know why we would be downgrading him at this point. So I think it's a value opportunity. I I think people might have been discouraged that we didn't have athletic testing numbers for him immediately. But I feel perfectly fine. And if you can get him at the top or even the middle of the second round of a rookie draft, I'm doing that all day. Yeah, I think he's a pretty polarizing player from what I've what I've been seeing is is some people like yourself really like him and and I do too. I mean, watching him just post up in the post up on the end zone and pull down touchdown after touchdown is infuriating unless you're a Stanford guy. Uh but I I can really see a lot of potential, but I think uh, people are afraid of of the speed and and it, if you'll be able to get separation in the NFL against um you know, higher level cornerbacks and defensive play, but uh, to your point, he uh, he does he does look the part, and I I think uh, yeah trying to trying to seize on that value is definitely good, a good idea. What are your, what are your thought? Whoa, what are your thoughts? I'm trying to talk too fast on uh, on JJ um, Matt. He was actually a guy I uh, I did a blurb um, or an article uh, today yesterday um on best ball targets uh who are rookies who their value is going to go up after the draft and that you should be targeting them now and he was one of the guys that i said target now because he's going last two or three rounds in the draft um because he's just going to eventually become a red zone option he's already proven very very capable of scoring in or being a touchdown threat once you get close to the end zone. And that was with non NFL caliber quarterback. So I'm a big fan of his. I think if a team grabs him mid day two, somewhere towards the back half of the second round, he's going to become a guy that gets some volume and could become a really good player. Yeah, no, I like it. All right, Matt, how about you? Who's, who's someone you're excited about for this, for the draft? So I'm pretty excited about Paris Campbell. I know, surprise, surprise, that I'm excited about an Ohio State player, but I do. I've been kind of telling. He's him, another controversial guy, though. Well, but that's because people are dumb and they're trying to project <laughs> him as like they don't re- like. No, I think it's good though, because because people are so down on him. It'll be good to hear your take on why they shouldn't be and why people can well, be so a little bit more. The confident. guy he's been sort of frequently compared to his Debo Samuel and everyone sort of calls Debo Samuel the safe version. But the interesting things about Paris Campbell for me are when he came to school, he was a true running back. He was the definition of athlete player coming out of high school. And he has only been in this position playing receiver consistently for we'll say four years, but realistically only about three. Um, he is even though he was at Ohio State for four years, he's not 22 years old yet, so still pretty young. And he has track speed. I mean, 4-3 is fantastic. So the the problem that with 4-3 is that when you have that kind of speed, people expect you to be this vertical threat. And so they're picking apart, oh, well, why is his ADOT like five yards? Why is he um, only being successful in these short plays? And it's it's because what he's going to turn into is a theoretic Tavon Austin type of player, which is get the ball in his hands and in in space, he will make things happen. He was a kick returner. He um, – took run rushing attempts. He is incredibly versatile at getting 
to like in space making plays happen. And of note, I mean, it is worth noting that Ohio State has does not produce high caliber uh, raw stats um, wide receivers. He's the first receiver in Ohio State to crack a thousand yards since 2002. During the entire stretch of Urban Meyer with Michael Thomas, Devin Smith, uh, Curtis Samuel, all these great, great players who were drafted fairly high, none of them cracked a thousand yards, and he did. And it does seem like his draft stock is now on the rise. He's looking like pretty safe bet to go on day two, and I think it's trending towards he's going to be early day two. And as weird as this sounds, because I know you're going to ask me, I kind of want him to go to Baltimore because I kind of think he's the perfect type of receiver to go along with Lamar Jackson, who is going to favor the shorter routes. Hmm. Yeah. But he'll end up at the Raiders because he's fast. I mean, maybe, <laughs> but they, they just brought in a wide receiver yeah. this offseason. They're fine. They love wide receivers. <laughs> they can never have too many. No, that's, that's good. I, I think that's interesting. Um, he, uh, yeah, I think the reason his ADOT is so low is, uh, you know, when you're trailing to Indiana at halftime and you have to get back in the game, you need to get those easy completions, right? Yeah. And he, I mean, he's, he's one of the proof guys for why we like market share. Why do we like this statistic called market share? And it's because when you are the best guy on the field, when you are the best receiver on the field, you want your coach trying to get the ball in your hands no matter how he can. And while his market share numbers are weirdly not great, you think he was only like 22% share of yards, they were trying to get the ball in his hands as much as they possibly could. And I, I think he is – hes to me, he's rich man's Debo Samuel. Um, and Debo Samuel is a guy that everyone loves. I think Paris Campbell is Debo Samuel except he still has room to grow whereas Debo Samuel looks like a finished product. Yeah, I could see Paris Campbell like maybe maybe uh, maybe not best case scenario but a uh, very good case scenario would be like a Percy Harvin minus the uh, off the field shenanigans. Um but yeah, uh let's jump back over to you Jordan. Who 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 else do you got for us? Well, I couldn't go this pod without talking about Daryl Henderson. Um <laughs> feels like it's on brand and uh get offended when he is slighted, which happens a lot on the internet, but um, quite simply, I mean, quite simply, he's one of the most efficient college running backs that we've seen in quite some time, um, level of competition aside. One study that I found particularly interesting, again, from Anthony Amico, uh, he looked at adjusted yards per game, adjusted all-purpose yards per game, excuse me, uh, where he combined kick return yards um, rushing and receiving, and basically found that when you combine all that together, the the age at which a player eclipses 130 adjusted all-purpose yards per game uh, counts as their breakout year, uh, similar to breakout age for a wide receiver. Daryl Henderson broke out at age 20, and according to Amico's findings, um, players that have done so historically have hit at a 44% rate so basically, they've achieved an RB2 or better season at least once in their first three NFL seasons, 44% of the time. And so, I mean, that alone was enough to catch my eye, aside from his ridiculous yards per carry, yards after contact, which are all completely off the charts, especially in this class of sort of like, eh, meh uh, prospects pretty much across the board. Um, he's an accomplished receiver. Uh, he's shown to be dangerous. Again, 
You know, he has eight receiving touchdowns, 63 receptions, over 750 yards in his career, uh, which is really, really strong. Um, Graham Barfield, uh, who is another analyst that I like to follow and and put a, a good amount of stock in his work. Um, he, he tweeted out the other day that Henderson leads this class in yards created per attempt, which is sort of like his own metric um, charting and watching film. Um, I checked on Draft Scout. He's projected to go in round two. But today I got excited because I saw Ian Rappaport tweet that he could potentially go late round one. Now, I'm not necessarily banking on that happening, but what I am saying is if he does go round one, even late round one, early round two, he is my RB1. And I know people really like Josh Jacobs, and that's primarily the main pushback, Miles Sanders a little bit. But to me, if he does go late round one, I don't really think anyone can talk me off of Henderson as the RB1 in this class. Um, now, granted, that isn't a down class. Where he would rank in last year's class is a different conversation. So it's it's sort of about perspective as far as that's concerned. Um, and the last uh, DLF uh, rookie ADP I could find, Henderson was the 109. So depending, you know, to me, 109 for him feels like a value. To others, I'm sure that it doesn't. But I'm okay with being higher than most on Henderson. I just think he has I think he has the production. His athleticism was good, not great, but good. And if he gets draft position near the top of the second round, I it's a case closed for me. Yeah. And and if you look at the news on on like or not news, it's not news, it's projections. That people projecting where he might land or different teams he's worked out for already. Uh you get a there's a pretty wide range of you know, some would be great landing spots, and others would be horrendous. Like I, I know he he's worked out for uh, like the Eagles, and um, I can't. There was another one that would have just been just absolutely terrible, and I can't remember. Oh, uh, Arizona Cardinals, and, and him behind David Johnson would be disappointing. But um, it would be exciting if he ended up uh, at a team that, like the Chiefs, that they they could use some some talent, oh. some more talent at the at the position and a place like Kansas city, he, he would go, he would go hog wild. I mean, that would be a lot of fun with how they like to use their, their running backs in the passing game. Yeah. Him and an Andy Reed system. Uh, that's pants off. That's honestly it, <laughs> it right now. Nikhil Harry is my pretty clear cut one Oh one in this year's class. If he went to the chiefs, I think there's a case that he should be the one Oh one. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be the ideal landing spot for him, sure. in, in my I mean, opinion. it's the but... ideal landing spot for most running backs. But yeah. All right, all right. If, if they can catch, yeah. True story. Yeah. Um, great. No, that, that's really good stuff there. I know I know. it'll be uh, – we'll be texting each other as soon as that pick comes in when, and we find out where he goes, but that'll, that'll be good. Matt, let's hear, uh, let's hear another one from you, bud. Um, I'm going to go with uh, a guy I've talked up a little bit um, throughout the year, and that's Travion Williams. He was – incredible as a freshman took a slight step back as a sophomore and then came back and was pretty incredible as a senior i mean not senior uh junior so the the downside to him right now is that his stock seems to be sliding a little bit he had a pretty disappointing combine for a player of his, his size with the um the ideal um 
test that you're kind of looking for because you're not expecting him to run like he he's expected to run fast but when you looked at his agility numbers he really wasn't great uh he ended up with a 34th percentile over overall spark uh spark x and so all, all that is to say i still like him because in his career he has two seasons um at texas a&m where he averaged over six yards per carry his final season the numbers are just spectacular when you take a look at them closely. He averaged more than two receptions per game, averaging over 10 yards per reception. He uh, had over 250 carries uh, with 6.5 yards per carry, put in 18 touchdowns. And for me, I guess the he's not a super old prospect. He's 22.25 years old. Um, projecting day three, although I think he's one of those guys that's going to be closer to the fourth round than the seventh round, just because he did come from a big school. He is a fairly well-known name and he does have the receiving chops. And the one other thing that sort of always likes to stand out, um, for running backs is where they used in kick returns. He was during his time there. He had one season or his sophomore year. He had six returns averaged over 30 yards per return. I know that was a lot of word like nonsense I just threw out there, but pretty much my statement on him is he's kind of uh, one of the more proven receiving running backs in this class, but he's also proven that he's capable of handling a very big workload at a power five school against real competition. And for me, when you get a player like that, it's a little bit easier to overlook some of their flaws when I know that, they competed against the best they could at the college level and performed well. Yeah, and he quietly put together a really strong season. I remember being down on him and then looking at his actual numbers and being surprised. I was like, oh, actually, that's not half bad. <laughs> it's pretty good, actually. So, so yeah, he's definitely someone to uh, to keep an eye out. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. All right, guys, I, I think uh, let's move on to just good old college football. Let's look ahead to next year. Give me a couple guys you're excited uh, to see in action in the spring when it's finally, finally football time. I know for you guys, it's probably already spring, but out here in Colorado, I still get to deal with blizzards. So, uh, so Jordan, give me, give me someone you're excited for, uh, for, next, for next season. Yeah, I'll, I'll rattle through these guys real quick. Um, first is C.D. Lamb wide receiver at Oklahoma kind of spoke on him a little bit earlier in the show, but I think with Marquise Brown gone to the NFL, Jalen hurts moving in to take the place of Kyler Murray. So we, we have an experienced quarterback. I'll be at a different type of quarterback, but still experienced uh, again in a, in a top three offense with a top three coach lamb was dynamic last season. There's reports that he's put on weight from last year. Um, he, he just feels like a guy who's ready to take a pretty big jump at, in his junior season. It is worth noting that Oklahoma brought in two pretty high five-star wide receiver recruits in Jaden Hazelwood and Theo Weiss, um, but I don't necessarily think they're going to take a ton of work away from Lamb. We may not see a super dominant season just because of the talent around him and because of how Oklahoma's offense tends to spread the ball around, 
but I'm pretty high on Lamb. Uh, I think I have him as wide receiver four, perhaps, in my Debbie ranks. Uh, I'm high on him. Um, next guy, real quick, is Justin Shorter, who's a wide receiver at Penn State, sophomore. Um, the shifting around at quarterback, uh, we mentioned Tommy Stevens transferring. Um, I don't necessarily know if that hurts or helps him necessarily, but Sean Clifford is likely to be the guy there. But Shorter, I think, has an opportunity to be really special. He was an insanely high, uh, highly touted recruit coming out of high school. Um, he, I think that if things fall into place and he can kind of assume the role that I think is in front of him, I think he could be the next Allen Robinson type wide receiver for the Nittany Lions, like that real alpha guy who takes over the offense. So he's someone I'm really looking forward to. And finally, Travis Etienne, who is – you know, admittedly kind of cheating on this question because we <laughs> right. know that he's, we know he's really good, but he's my one Oh one in Debbie overall. Um, and I know that that's really not too big of a leap either, but just his incredible explosion and, and pass catching and production and efficiency. I just feel like he really has the entire package and obviously Clemson is going to be, a top two offense this season. So he'll have no lack of opportunity for scoring and for touches. Um, and, you know, I just think that he is the best running back uh, in college football. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for Clemson in general, but I, I really think that Etienne, he, he might get even overshadowed a bit because everyone is so hyped on Lawrence and Justin Ross, rightfully so. But Etienne is is so dangerous, and I think that he's just has incredible upside. Yeah, and he can't stack the box against that offense, so he's exactly. definitely gonna have running lanes for sure. Yeah. Matt, how about you? So I'll, I'll again I'll go through these relatively quickly. Uh, a guy that I mentioned a lot last year um, was Chuba Hubbard. I thought he was their best running back on the team last year. He averaged six yards per carry, ten point four yards per reception as the backup. Um, his big uh, kind of breakout moment when Justice Hill sat out the bowl game. Um, he had 102, eight, 182 yards from scrimmage against Missouri in their bowl game when he was allowed to be the starter. Um, I, I, he's very dynamic, and in an offense that's going to go fast, he's the type of guy that could put up video game numbers. So pretty excited to see him. Uh, next guy is Jamar Jefferson at Oregon State. Uh, as a true freshman, he rushed for 1,380 yards, 12 touchdowns, um, and averaged two point, uh, or a little over two yards or two receptions per game. Um, kind of crazy to see. Uh, he, his yardage was uh, worth 31% of their total yards um, for the team, and he accounted for 30% of their total touchdowns. Uh, I would like to see his yards per carry get over that six yards per carry threshold, but he was a true freshman and looked like a workhorse. He's probably one of the more underrated backs in that uh, age group. Uh, and then lastly, because I can't go uh, without talking about him, is Tyler Johnson. Back-to-back -back seasons with a market share over uh, 0.42, which is traditionally our threshold for uh, looking for the truly, truly dominant seasons. Uh, he's had a dominator over 0 0.5 for both years. Uh, last season, he got over the 1,000-yard threshold and did uh, also added in 10 touchdowns. 
I right now already have him as my top wide receiver next year, which I know some people think is insane with Jerry Judy out there. Um, but if he puts up another year where he goes over a thousand yards, it's going to even be hard for the uh, non-analytics community to not love him. I think that he could be in consideration in the same way that DJ Moore was last year, where he comes on late, but then when people finally look at him, he will be an elite prospect. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, I I, uh, I always want to talk about Justin Herbert, so I had him on my list, but I won't go into it because I just hope he's not. I just hope he's not uh, Matt Barkley all over again, coming back for a senior year and it being a mistake. But he's got a veteran core around him. The offensive line looks really good, and those freshmen running back are you know a year year more experience. I think that'll be good. Um, they did bring in a, a couple good wide receiving uh, prospects. Uh, Four star wide receiver Josh Delgado should be. Um, a good replacement for some of the guys they lost. So I, I am excited. It'll be interesting to see how the season starts for Oregon with that tough, tough road. Well, yeah, road game in Arlington um, against Auburn. So uh, get to test that out pretty quickly. Uh, the other guys I want to talk about uh, were Sam Ellinger and, and Colin Johnson. I'm really excited for Colin Johnson. I mean, he guys six foot six, 220 pounds. He had a great season last year. He had 68 receptions for just under a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. And now little hump, little, little Humphrey, little Jordan Humphrey's gone. So there's a lot more opportunity for him, I think. And, uh, I think with, if, if Sam Ellinger can stay healthy this year, I think it could be a really exciting year for, for the Texas Longhorns. I will be all in. You guys will hate me, but I might actually be rooting for Texas next year. Uh, just because I think it could be a lot of fun. Do you guys, do you guys real, did you guys realize how many total touchdowns Sam Ellinger had last year? Seven. Seven, <laughs> Jack. Uh, I have total no idea. T- total touchdowns? Yeah. Over thirty. Yeah, he had he had forty one. Um, he was Ooh, he no. was okay. he was seventh in total touchdowns. Do you know how many rushing touchdowns he had? This is what really really shocked me. He had sixteen rushing touchdowns. A lot. Wow. Yeah. 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 He's so a, he's a dump truck. He's a dump truck. I mean, that like, sort of explains why we thought he was hurt too. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so I don't know if they'll utilize him in, in that way again for, for that very reason, Matt. Like, they don't want probably to, uh, him lowering his shoulder too much. But the guy's going to put up a ton of touchdowns. They're going to be moving the ball a lot. So, yeah, when I was looking at his numbers, I was really surprised to see just how productive he, he was last year. And then um, the last guy, we mentioned him earlier in the show, someone who I'm super excited about uh, is Kennedy Brooks. I know you love Sermon, uh, Jordan, but I think Kennedy Brooks takes over as a lead back this year. Uh, the, the few opportunities he got in the beginning of the season, he looked good on, and they just they, they, they had to carve out a role for him, especially when Anderson went down. But uh, as the season went on, he got better and better. I expect Kennedy Brooks to have a monster year, and someone will be looking at uh, a targeting early um, uh, when he when he's uh, finally ready for his junior season a, a year from now. So I think he's going to be a, a huge value this year and someone who is uh, you know top of the list uh, the following year. So Kennedy Brooks, yes, please. I, w- I just want to say real quickly, I think that Ellen- Ellinger is sort of circling back to our Heisman talk. He's another sneaky guy. Right. Um, I-, I don't know, again, like it's his odds, I don't have them in front of me. Um, 24-7 did an updated list. I think he was like seventh on their list. That feels about right. But, yeah. but for the reasons you mentioned, he could have a ton of touchdowns again, sort of like a Tim Tebow type right. path to the trophy. So, I mean, that's that's something else to look at. Look at. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention some of the more uh, truly fun players in college football. Rondale Moore is going to be joy. Um, yes. 
Yeah. Uh, Eno Benjamin. Uh, mm-hmm. Ditto, dude. also going to be Joy. The dude um, always gets an extra two or three yards every single time. He will not fall backwards. Dude, dude. And then, uh, just because I want to say his name and I haven't said it in a couple of months, Amon Ra St. Brown there you uh, go. is going to be uh, very, very good, especially if that offense goes uh, into a spread attack like they're talking about. Yeah, no, those are some fun names for sure. Anything else, guys? That's, I mean... I got my college football fix for a yeah. little bit, so I'm pretty happy. Yeah, well, yeah, man, this was this was fun. It was good to be back on the horn with you fellas. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, maybe after the draft get back again and, and talk about where some of these guys landed and, and, and what that means uh, for them for the future. Uh, we'll see about scheduling that. Maybe just do a quick episode and, uh, and, and just chat about what we're excited about. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Uh, don't forget to... Uh, Subscribe to the show so that you can get all these kind of bonus episodes as they come out. Also, if you're a baseball fan, Rotoviz launched their fantasy baseball podcast, which is weekly and is hosted by yours truly. So you will want to check that out as well. But yeah, gentlemen, tell tell the good listeners where they can find you. Go for it. I'm on uh, Twitter at jhoover9787, um, writing over at Rotoviz. Probably... I've been updating my draft profiles. Um, there's a couple updated ones in there. And then we'll probably be rolling into Debbie stuff um, shortly after the draft. So there's a lot of stuff going on over at Rotoviz, uh, site revamp, a lot of good stuff. So just, you know, you can check me out, but check out all the other good stuff over there too. And you can find me uh, at Wispy the Kid on Twitter. Um, and right now I am shifting my attention pretty much fully back over to Rotoviz for a while. Um, just dropped a best ball article, probably going to do a little bit of redraft stuff over the next couple of months. And also, uh, it sounds like I might actually be doing a little bit of Debbie content for the site as well. So it's going to be a fun time. Yeah. You guys sound uh, not busy, not busy at all. <laughs> it's Never. good stuff. Good, good, good for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you all soon. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9 Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2, excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.